Happy Friday, Story Fam, and happy October. Believe it or not, we are finally entering the last quarter of this gauntlet, otherwise known as 2020. I'm beyond excited to share that this Sunday, October 4th, for the first time since March 8th, we will be gathering for worship in person. Uh, the initial plan was to start with one service at 11.05, but y'all, the response uh, to this idea has been so overwhelming that we've decided to go ahead and open up two services. Our 9.45 and 11.05 services will be open uh, and available for in-person attendance now. I'm super excited about this, obviously. However, you need to know a few things. Obviously, we're going to be following all the protocols for your safety. That means your mask will be on. You can sing, but only in your heart. <laughs> um, and we'll practice social distancing. We won't be able to serve any coffee or anything. So BYOC, bring your own coffee. And uh, we're going to have a great time. But if you want to attend any of our services this month, you've got to pre-register. There will be no walk-ins allowed because of how small our room is. Uh, we've got to be able to control uh, who's coming. So visit thestory.church slash RSVP. If you want to sign up to attend in person, thestory.church slash RSVP to get signed up. But please be aware that space is going to be limited for a while. And so you might not be able to register for all the services that you would like to attend. Now, I cannot wait to see some real live people in worship this Sunday. I can't wait to preach to someone other than a camera lens <laughs> for the first time since March. So I'm super excited to see some of y'all. Now, uh, let's get to this week's reflection. With their book called Great by Choice, Jim Collins and Morton Hansen asked the question, why do some companies thrive in times of uncertainty and chaos while others don't? They identified what they called 10X companies, which are companies that started from a position of vulnerability and rose to become great companies, even though the environment around them was chaotic, was, uh, you know, just very volatile. So these companies that they zeroed in on in this book beat their industry index by at least 10 times. So out of the 20,000 plus companies they looked at, they only identified seven that qualified as 10X companies. One of which was Southwest Airlines, by the way. Uh, they operate in an extremely uncertain industry. And while their competitors were going bankrupt, Southwest managed to chart a course for extraordinary success. If you had invested $10,000 in Southwest stock in 1972, that stock would have been worth $12 million in 2002. That's incredible. So what is it that sets a company like Southwest apart? Collins and Hansen identified it. Uh, they called the X factor fanatic discipline, fanatic discipline, which is defined as a, a consistency of action that's driven by self-control. The authors ask you to imagine setting out on foot from San Diego all the way to Maine. And to get there, you decide to walk 20 miles every single day, no matter what. Just 20 miles, no more, no less. If the weather's terrible, if you feel terrible, you tough it out, you make it 20 miles. But even if the conditions are ideal and you could theoretically go double that, you don't. You, over, you, you don't overreach. You stay within yourself and you get those 20 miles. 
So the 20-mile march is a two-sided challenge for many companies and for individuals who want to succeed at this level. On the one hand, there are no excuses to settle for less, even when the conditions around you are difficult. But on the other hand, when things are going great and your competitors are out of control, just they're just killing it, right? Your competitors that are catching up from behind, they are going 30 miles a day or 40 miles a day. You have to have the self-control to not overdo it, to not get out over your skis. So uh, this is a principle I wanted to look at today in, in this week's uh, reflection. Uh, when the Apostle Paul wrote his first letter, he wrote two letters to this guy, but when he wrote his first letter to his young protege, Timothy, he offered some sage advice on how to live faithfully in a world that's out of control and chaotic. With the kind of year that we're having, Paul's advice should resonate with many of us. And this is what he said, First Timothy 4, verse 7 and 10. He wrote, Have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. That is why we labor and strive, because we have put our hope in the living God, who is the Savior of all people and especially of those who believe. So Paul said, have nothing to do with profane myths and old wives' tales. Profane is a word that just means worldly or unholy. A myth is a story that people tell each other to, um, to relish a shared experience and to identify a shared enemy, perhaps, but really to have solidarity with one another. So I would ask you, what are some of the profane myths that people believe today, and the, the stories people tell today? You can probably think of a few, but if you're struggling to come up with some, I just encourage you to check today's headlines, and you're guaranteed, based on whichever source you're looking at, to find some profane myths, these worldly stories people tell in our silos to build solidarity with, uh, with the people around us. It would be easy in that case to blame the media for perpetuating profane myths, but I would actually put, point the finger at us. We are the ones who click on the stories. We are the ones who watch. We are the ones who crave the next hit piece about that corrupt, filthy, rich, opportunistic, egomaniac who's running for president against the other corrupt, filthy, rich, opportunistic, egomaniac that you're planning to vote for. We do that. We're the ones. Our current culture is a recipe for crazy making, and we're all going crazy. Profane myths and old wives' tales have convinced us that we're not safe, that we should be afraid. We're not safe enough. We're not successful enough. We're not attractive enough, strong enough, rich enough, young enough. And in all of our insecurity, we're tempted to cave to every bodily impulse, whatever it is that will make us feel better in the moment, whatever it is that will make us feel safer, we'll chase it. But is that who Jesus calls us to be? John Wesley, who founded the Methodist movement, once said, when a man becomes a Christian, he becomes industrious, trustworthy, and prosperous. Now, prosperity obviously isn't the goal of the Christian faith, and I, neither I nor John Wesley are uh, <laughs> prosperity gospel people. But prosperity is often what happens to a person whenever he follows Jesus and uh, demonstrates the dogged determination, consistency, and integrity that comes along with discipleship. 
because a disciple of Jesus wakes up before the sun in the morning. He gets on his knees and prays. She drinks coffee and studies the word. You tend to your family. You make a list of things you're going to do today. You make a list of people you're going to bless today. And then you spend the day doing it and blessing them. And at the end of the day, once you're done spending hours loving God, tending to your family, serving your church, blessing your city, you go to bed and you go to bed tired. You don't even have the strength to turn on the news. You don't have the energy to care what the president said today or who the next president's going to be because you're bone tired from loving Jesus and his people all day. So you maybe call a friend or maybe you kiss your wife or maybe you play with your kids a little or read your Bible some more. And when your head hits the pillow, you're out cold because you went to bed tired. And then you get up the next day and you do the same thing. And again, the next and again, the next, even if you're tired. Even if you have a head cold, even if the weather's bad, whether you're a student, an executive, a stay-at-home mom, or even if you're retired, you know there's work to be done for the kingdom of God. Paul told Timothy to train himself in godliness. Training for something takes time. Paul said we toil, we struggle. It took John Wesley 60 years to launch the Methodist movement, and he did it one day at a time, 20 miles a day. The author John Ortberg talks about the difference between training and trying. The truth is, anyone can try. I can try to play third base like Alex Bregman, but that doesn't make me Alex Bregman. Do you have any idea how many hours Alex Bregman spent training every day to become the all-star that he is today? Thousands, tens of thousands of hours. Trying doesn't get us very far, but training will. The Bible says Jesus began his training in childhood. He sat at the feet of scholars in the temple and he grew in wisdom as a child. Matthew 21, 37 says, Every day Jesus taught in the temple and at night he went out and spent the night at the Mount of Olives. All the people got up early in the morning to listen to him in the temple. Jesus was consistent, determined, steady, 20 miles a day. The Christian life is all about training. We're not just trying to be like Jesus. We're training to become like him. We want to be as good at being like Jesus as Bregman is at playing third base. That's why we get up early. That's why we get on our knees in prayer. That's why we get dressed and come to worship on Sunday at last, this Sunday. That's why we study the Bible. That's why we serve the city. That's why we work hard to make money so we can write checks that matter, checks that change the world. And that's why we go to bed tired because nothing matters more to us than the whole world knowing about this Jesus we love. And the best way for the whole world to know Jesus is for those who bear his name to become more like him. So as Paul told Timothy, we toil and we struggle because we have our hope set on the living God who is the savior of all people. Don't just try to be a good Christian. Train yourself to become like Jesus. 20 miles, 20 miles a day. Even when times are tough, go 20 miles a day. Even when you don't feel like you used to feel when you prayed, even when you don't hear back from God, go 20 miles a day and no less. Also, even when things are great, when it feels effortless to follow Jesus, just go 20 miles. You don't have to do more than that. When it seems like you could lead every committee and teach every Bible study and coach every soccer team your kid's on, just go 20 miles. 
and no more. Our culture feeds on profane myths and old wives' tales, but Jesus is the bread of life, and his gospel is living water. So stop wishing for the world to be different. Start training yourself to become different. Be disciplined. Be diligent. Be steady. For our hope is set on the living God, who is the Savior of all people, especially to those who believe. Have a great weekend, friends and family. I hope to see you on Sunday morning either online or in person. Yay. <laughs> all right. This is Pastor Eric signing off. I love y'all. Bye-bye.